All right, welcome in episode 146, Hot Grits Podcast. Definitely some strange, weird, peculiar uh, high school local sports news that uh, I think you guys will either enjoy or find uh, interesting at the very least. But first, Coach's Corner, our title sponsor here on HGP for the last two years. Check them out at 3016 East Victory Drive. Call ahead if you want to place a to-go order, 912-352-2933, 912-352-2933, online, www.coaches.net. But the best way to find out everything going on over at Coach's Corner, all the sports you can think of, obviously, but then live co- concerts, cover bands out there in the Sound Garden. check them out uh, on Facebook, Coach's Corner's Facebook page. Um, and that'll let you know everything that's going on. When you go, tell them the Hot Grits podcast sent you, and they'll hook it up on that final bill for you. Uh, check out the other shows also on the Coach's Corner Sports Network. That's Rubbin' and Grubbin', Brandon Bain, the NASCAR show on Wednesday nights, live up there at Coach's Corner. Uh, I believe he kicks off. They kick off pretty soon, probably this week. Um, not a NASCAR guy, but I think... The Daytona 500 is around the corner. I don't know if that's true or not. Check me on that. But check out Brandon Bain. He'll definitely know the answer to that. Also, Carl on Saturday mornings. You guys know him. You love him. You got to love it. Saturday mornings, local sports live up there at Coach's Corner. You can find that on the Coach's Corner Facebook page, as well as archived on YouTube there at the Carl DeMossi Sports Report. All right, let's get after it for a 146th time Hot Grips Podcast. Ain't nobody gonna this I've always kind of believed in aliens. I don't know if I believe in flying saucers. Ain't nobody gonna rip like you might as well just walk up to Cupid while he's on his lunch break, you know, crank his heat or something. Yeah, right in the face. Punch a little baby right in. We'll see that. We're almost uh, three minutes into our sports podcast and yet to bring up not one sport. Roll out. Come on, bow. All right, welcome in episode 146 of the Hot Grits Podcast. Got a lot to get to today. Uh, sort of a different episode here. Um, so here's the plan outright. First, want to start by acknowledging the terrible news out of Athens this week. Obviously, you know about it if you're listening to this podcast. Um, Devin Willock, Chandler LaCroix, dead at the ages of 20 and 24 uh, after a car accident in Athens really only hours after Georgia won back-to-back national championships. Uh, Again, you know the story by now, but Willock, the um, reserve offensive lineman, but that's not really doing him justice. He had a very bright future um, from what I can gather, from what people thought of him. He was from New Jersey. He had redshirted already, um, and he figured to step into one of those spots along Georgia's offensive line uh, with the departure of essentially the whole offensive line, um, you know, I guess we're still waiting on Van Prant and uh, the center will be back as well. But LaCroix, age 24, was the staffer, the recruiting staffer under Kirby Smart in Athens. She was driving the car. Uh, also in the car, Warren McClendon, um, who is a local native and recently declared for the NFL draft. Uh, he is age 21. He survived with, quote, minor injuries. Uh, and then the fourth passenger, who was somewhat of a mystery, uh, you know, that's just the fact of it. That's not a slight to her. Her name is Victoria Bowles, B-O-W-L-E-S. Uh, she's age 26. Her injuries uh, were, quote, significant, uh, but she was still alive you know, hours and, and day, a day or two after the crash. It, what's so sad for Willock and his family is that his brother uh, also died at the age of 20 in a car crash in 2009. So Willock's parents, both alive, will, you know, it's obviously going to be terrible for them, tough for them uh, to deal with the fact that both of their sons died at age 20, almost 15 years apart from each other, both in a car crash. So RIP to Devin Willock and Chandler LaCroix, uh, and we wish the best for Warren McClendon moving forward. Who, 
McClendon's going to have, you know, it's going to be tough for him, I can imagine. He's going to have to answer a lot of questions, not, you know, not accusatory questions, but McClendon's probably going to be able to clear up a lot of the questions surrounding the accident and that night. Uh, It was a one-car accident, and since he sustained minor injuries and was not ejected from the car like Willock was, one would think that he would be able to clear up a lot of stuff for investigators and, you know, and for the law in general. Um, And then we wish the best for 26-year-old Victoria Bowles, who sustained serious injuries in that um, car accident. Look, there's no easy way to segue off of that. I didn't know where to put that in the episode, but, but it had to be said, right? So I'm going to just leave it there and not try to do a cute segue off of that. While we're on Georgia football, though, uh, obviously there's been a lot of comings and goings. We knew about the two transfer receivers coming in um, you know, from Mississippi State and Missouri, I think, Mississippi State and Missouri. Uh, that came before Georgia's national title game went over TCU, but it probably also spelled the end of the road for Dominic Blaylock, who entered the transfer portal today. Uh, there haven't been a lot of significant portal in- entries for Georgia yet. You know, that doesn't mean they aren't coming, but there has been significant roster changeover already. Um, you, you know, guys like Darnell Washington, guys like Podlesny, Nolan Smith, um, Warren Erickson, Warren McClendon, just to name a few. Keely Ringo, I feel like, was, was a pretty obvious one, along with Jalen Carter, who are going to be leaving. But So there's a lot that Georgia needs to replace. Obviously, they've shown they can do that. They replaced 15 NFL players off of last year's roster. And uh, all they did was go undefeated uh, and win the whole thing. So there's precedent for it, but I, I think it would be to be expected that there'd be this kind of turnover. And if you're Don Blaylock, two years of eligibility left, you know, I don't think I like Kiaris Jackson. I liked a little bit more than Blaylock and I, and I'm not sure that either one was going to play a significant role moving forward. Um, I will say that I will say that I think that Todd Munkin and Mike Bobo, Will Muschamp, um, you know, all these different guys, like, I think the assistant coaching staff seems to be staying intact, at least leading up to the traditional national signing day, which is February 1st this year. Um, I think we would see, I don't know if we would see less of them recruiting. I guess we wouldn't, right? But that to me is like, if I saw Todd Munkin leaving, if there was an assistant coaching transfer portal, that would worry me more than pretty much any player on Georgia's roster leaving. And then guys like Bobo and Muschamp, you know, I don't, who knows, we're not inside the building. I don't know how much of an impact they play, but it seems like that that they've done a good job, right? I mean, the results are there. The recruiting classes have been there. So I'd like to see the assistant coaching staff stay intact, but Munkin is the kind of guy that, once the shuffling go, begins to go on in earnest in the NFL, who knows? He could get a call to, to go call plays in the NFL. Not a head coaching job, I mean, but he could be a coordinator. Maybe he leaves. Georgia's paying him pretty handsomely, though, so hopefully they can hold on um, to him. All right, before we move on to college football, or move on from college football. Get your shit together, Trav. Come on. Before we move on from college football, uh, I'm going to take you guys to a segment pre-recorded. Our bowl winner, our John Carr Bowl Mania 2023 bowl game winner, straight from Nebraska. I talked to him. He lives in Colorado now. His name is Matt Subcheck, And here's our conversation from earlier Monday afternoon. All right, special segment now. We're going to award our 2023 John Carr Bowl Group winner. Matthew Subcheck is with us. He went 32-11, and 11, uh, first place, 684 points, and then in the 99th percentile uh, for everyone that filled out confidence points. Matt, those are some heady stats, man. Congrats. 
Yeah, thank you. It was uh, it was uh, fun to play. Um, I'm from Nebraska and a huge Huskers fan, so winning isn't really in my DNA the last several years. So it felt good to to get a W. Wow, I did not I did not know that. So are yeah. you in Nebraska? Are you in Nebraska now? Uh, no, I'm in Colorado now, but um, but from Omaha originally. So we we will often talk about Georgia Southern on this podcast pretty often. <laughs> So we that, that touched on Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we touched on Nebraska this year. Yep, that was awful. <laughs> a long, long night. <laughs> I know this. A lot of the Georgia Southern fans that went to that game, um, and mm-hmm. it's easier to say this after you win, but they yeah. all talked highly of of Lincoln and and you know the stadium and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, if you would have asked me after that game, I, I would have thought Georgia Southern was going undefeated. <laughs> yeah, so. hey, us too, man. We were yeah. we thought it could be Super Bowl. For, yeah. for a college football team. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, all right, so you won. You're going to win the $150 uh, presented by John Carr Real Estate here in Savannah. Um, I'm not going to ask you about Savannah Real Estate since you're from Nebraska and you live in Colorado. But uh, what I will ask you is what, uh, what, which bowl game or which day, which moment kind of stood out for you in terms of winning uh, the bowl group? Yeah, I think it was the Tulane uh, USC game. Uh, watching that game, uh, USC looked like they had it all under control, and then seeing Tulane come back the way they did um, w- w- was pretty spectacular when you think about it. Okay, now the second place winner has to be related to you. Same last name, John Subcheck. Is that your yes, brother or dad? That is that is my brother. So I have five brothers. And he's one of them. <laughs> wow. So, so yeah. okay. So before the final game or the final, uh, you know, maybe even the last two bowl games, were you trying to figure out if you like? Did you ever change any of your picks during? Yeah. The- so I changed to Penn State and Tulane right at the end. Wow. Did you know that he was going to go? Did he go the other way? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. We we didn't really talk about it that much. <laughs> Probably, that's probably smart. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, we I kept remember, it close to each other. Yeah, we kept. I it had close Tulane. To I had Tulane in this bowl group, um, and then it also I had Tulane in, in another bowl group I was in, which I did better in the other one. But then I took um, I took Utah for like forty points, uh, and I switched at the last moment. I had Penn State the whole time. Yeah. Well, it didn't help Utah the fact that Reisner got hurt again. So, um, good point. You know, but. Uh, I just felt like Penn State, I know they, they got blown out by Michigan, but they played Ohio State tough, and they were kind of they were kind of the third wheel in the Big Ten. Um, so I knew, you know, I thought maybe at the end of the season they would, um, you know, play a good game in the Rose Bowl, you know, showing that they had something to prove. Yeah, and I and that Tulane-Southern Cal game, I gave up on that game with like oh, eight yeah. minutes to go. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone in America did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. in uh, – especially out there in L.A. Um, yeah. Okay, a uh, couple more for you, Matt. We're going to get you out of here, but I guess I want to ask you how you found out about the bowl group, and, and is this your first time playing in any of the Hot Grits podcasts, uh, either the Bracket Challenge or the bowl group? Yep, this was the first time playing. We had some um, colleagues at work that have participated, um, and they kind of told me about it. So I thought I'm a huge college football fan, obviously. Um being from Nebraska and just wanted to have some fun and, and, uh, you know, see, uh, how it went. So it was a good time. That's awesome. Well, Hey, we're glad, we're glad you joined and, and your family pretty much dominated the event coming in first and second. Yep. Like I said, well, I'm one of nine. So I have eight brothers and sisters and, uh, all from Nebraska. So we, um, like I said, it was a long year for the Huskers, but we, um, glad we came out on top in the uh during the bowl season so maybe one day we'll go to a bowl game again as nebraska fans <laughs> no i think that's gonna happen for sure for yeah. sure man <laughs> um man you guys could have had your own bowl group just in your family with that many people <laughs> well no kidding yeah we uh we all play softball together we play basketball together so um this is uh this is nothing new all right awesome well hey what we're gonna do is uh i'm gonna tell the people about john carr real estate um and we hope to have you back for for the bracket challenge, you could, you'll be able to find it pretty much the same way that you found found this group on any of the okay. social media channels. So let me tell the people about John Carr, the number one real estate agent in the Milky Way galaxy. He's 912-228-0916. 912-228-0916. Call or text him today and he'll knock something off 
of the listing fees for you guys. 7505 Waters Avenue with Seaport Real Estate, John Carr, our guy. And we'll be back again for the bracket challenge come March Madness. Um, so John Carr helping us out with that as well. Matt, thanks a lot, man. And congrats again. Yep. Thank you so much. Go Big Red. Uh, before we do Savannah High School sports, I figured we would mention this in this podcast because, hell, he's been on the podcast before. I've interviewed him before. He's kind of famous. His name is Rush Probst. He is a, how should I say it? Is he a famous high school football coach or is he an infamous high school football coach? Is notorious too strong of a word? However you want to describe him, that man, Rush Probst, the funny money man himself is back in the head coaching position in the state of Alabama. He was named on Monday the associate head coach and athletic director of Cusa Christian in Alabama. Cusa, C-O-O-S-A. Now, a couple things here. A couple things here. <laughs> what is an associate head football coach? What does that mean? In all the stories I saw about this that came out on Monday, why did, did nobody ask what the hell associate head coach means? I tweeted this. It's, it's got real assistant to the regional manager. For all you office fans, it's got real assistant to the regional manager vibes. Strange. Um, Twitter obviously doesn't miss a lot. Twitter pointed out, Kusa Christian, a Christian school hiring Rush Probst, is um, interesting, is one word for it. It's interesting. There have been unchristian-like, now, look, something about uh, let he who is without fault cast the first stone. I have so many faults that I, would, I wouldn't even have stones. There would just be no stones in my pocket. I couldn't even cast one if I wanted. I'd have to borrow one to cast one. Okay, I'm not a perfect Christian here, but I don't think Rush Prost is who first comes to mind when I think of good Christian men. You know, like who's the first head football coach that comes to mind when you think of good quality Christian men? For me, it's Mark Richt. And if you want to talk about the differences between Mark Richt and Rush Probst, we would be here all day. But he's back, folks. He's back. He's got a little Tony Thomas in him, the former uh, Savannah City Councilman, who would just consistently make an ass of himself. And then yet, he would just keep winning elections. At some point, it became a little impressive. You were like, well, I mean, this guy could literally take a dump on his voters' chests. And they would vote two times for him. So he's found his way back into the head coaching ranks. I, I figured the GHSA would not be allowing him back anytime soon. But hell, at this point, I wouldn't put it past Rush Probst to return at some point in time to Georgia high school football. He's back in Alabama as an associate. What a rich, rich title. An associate head football coach. Interesting. All right, now, I promise you guys uh, kind of a strange story here. And strange is not the correct word, but I, I don't know what word to use. January 9th, 2023. A Tuesday, January 9th, 2023. Savannah Country Day boys and Savannah Christian boys are playing in a basketball game that folks... You know, just to be completely honest here, we're in the trust tree. I can speak openly. That game did not matter. It was a great game, 48-45 country day, no big deal. But neither one of those teams are very good. Both of those teams are very self-aware. They know where they stand. Okay, country days had injuries. Savannah Christian, I think, knew for the last year or two that 2022-23 would be rough for them on the basketball court. Okay, so this game had a lot of news coming out of it, and the news is still coming out, kind of. 
The biggest story in this game was the student section of Benedictine attending the game at Country Day's Dimery Gymnasium. About 40 of them in a mass attending a game as a student section for a game that BC was not playing in. I wasn't there. But from what I can gather, the entry, the entrance into the gym was a unified entrance by the BC students down the sideline in front of the bleachers with their leader holding up a shirt that said back-to-back. I believe they were chanting back-to-back in reference to their back-to-back football state championships. They take their seats in the stands, or I I should say they take their spots in the stands, uh, which is at the far side of the gymnasium across from the Country Day bench um, and diagonal from the Savannah Christian bench, across the court and across the way. So throughout the game, they are reportedly doing all their shenanigans, their chants, um, and you know, there's no student section in the city that brings it like they do. That's undeniable. Love them or hate them, there is no student section that can pull off what they pull off. But while they were doing all that during the game, what happened after the game is what made the news. So Country Day wins. Um, they hit a three-pointer, Country Day does, with like 15 seconds to go. Savannah Christian calls a timeout, and they don't get a shot off at the buzzer. Savannah Christian doesn't. So it's a rough loss. Country Day's students storm the court. But when I say storm the court, I mean roughly 30 to 45 people storm the court. So we're using the word storm a little liberally there. It wasn't like it was a mass of people. But they storm the court. They're excited. There's video of Country Day players sort of, you know, mocking Savannah Christian players. But, you know, all this is typical. All this is standard. Then there's video and still images of the BC student section standing on the court after the game, waiting, it looks like, for the Savannah Christian basketball team, or else the Savannah Country Day basketball team, to exit the doors directly next to them at the back of the gym. For those unfamiliar, the way to get to the visitor and home locker room at Country Day is you walk out the back door. The closest door to the visitor's locker room is the door that was closest to where the Benedictine students were standing during the game and after the game. So, again, I wasn't there. Let's talk about what may or may not have happened. So, after the game, our guy, Jason Cheatham, you guys know him, the original bowl group winner for Hot Grits Podcast, uh, also an assistant basketball coach and assistant football coach at Savannah Christian for a while now. He tweets after the game. The tweets have all been deleted by now, um, which we can get to that in a minute, but... He tweets after the game, and I'm not going to read these verbatim, but the gist of his tweets were, his players were threatened, physically pushed, threatened to be jumped, coaches were, quote, spit on, and the most damning of all the allegations was the use of the N-word and, quote, other racial slurs, end quote. Those quotes are from news reports, WSAV and WTOC, uh, sort of having the similar summary of what Jason Cheatham cheated that night at, or tweeted that night after the game. So apparently the Savannah Christian players exit the back of the gym and before they can get to their locker room, there's a scuffle, an altercation between the Savannah Christian basketball program, players, coaches. Now, not every coach was out there. Not every player was out there. And I'm sure not all 40 of the BC students were out there. Okay, but try to set the scene here. Try to picture the scene. Savannah Christian coming off a really shitty loss, a difficult loss. They've been getting it in their ear all night from the Country Day fans, from the BC fans, probably from their own coaches. Okay, so tough loss, right? You're walking out the gym, and now you got to see and deal with more of this from the Benedictine student section. 
So it's not hard to imagine that maybe that some of the Savannah Christian players chirped back. Maybe if they're getting spit at, maybe they spit back. Maybe one of the Savannah Christian players said something or pushed some, someone or did something first. We have no proof of that. But those are basically the maybes that could have happened. What has been alleged by multiple people. Namely, Jason Cheatham. Was that the Benedictine students called Savannah Christian players the N-word. There are several black players on Savannah Christian's roster. And physical altercations broke out. Now, so where do we go from here? How do we find out what happened? You won't. We should start there. We all know that. We're not going to find out ever what happened. And to be honest, I would put some of that blame. You know, if we're doing the blame pie, some of the blame needs to be placed squarely on Savannah Country Day. It is their responsibility. It is their job to make sure that when they host an event, especially one as routine as a boys basketball game on a Tuesday night in January, you better make sure there are no physical altercations on your campus after the game. Duh! In some of the pictures and some of the videos, you can see Savannah Country Day's headmaster, Kef Wilson, standing there, sort of, sort of, smiling at the BC mob standing by the exit door. Now, obviously, none of it had happened yet. None of the physical stuff had happened yet. But he's right there. He's within reach. There's also a cop, not a security card, a Savannah Chatham County policeman standing by the same exit door and some of these still photos. Where the hell were they? And where are they now? Why aren't they speaking out? Why aren't they saying, hey, there is security video. We are working on pulling that. We are working on getting it. We do want to get to the bottom of this. We don't accept this at Country Day. Nothing. Crickets. And it's probably because nobody has cared to ask Country Day. So I plan on doing that this week. I'll let you know what they say. Don't hold your breath. But they cannot be less transparent than the keepers of all knowledge, Benedictine. Who has handled this exactly like you thought they would handle it. So here's some of the reporting from WTOC. Benedictine military school principal, Dr. Jacob Horn, said, quote, The BC administration is aware of an after-school incident, which transpired earlier this week. We are conducting a full investigation, and we will respond in a way that is consistent with Benedictine military school's mission, end quote. Okay, Dr. Horn, couple things here. The administration is aware of an after-school incident? Why would you even say that? Why not this? The administration is aware that our students gathered in mass to attend a Savannah Country Day, Savannah Christian basketball game on Tuesday, January 9th at this time, on this day, at this place. Call it what it is. That happened. We don't know what happened at the school, but if you're aware of something, say what you're aware of. Don't say, quote, an after-school incident. After-school incident is literally everything under the sun that doesn't happen at school. An after-school incident, it wasn't even on your campus. It was off campus. More from Dr. Horn's quote that just... Made me roll my eyes, to be honest. Quote, we are conducting a full investigation. Now, how many of you out there trust Benedictine to investigate itself? Who's leading the investigation, Dr. Horn? Do you got, are, you got, are they looking for uh, fingerprints? Checking out the crime scene? Get some of that yellow caution tape? Conducting a full investigation? You're a high school. 
You expect us to believe that you have the wherewithal to conduct a full investigation? <sighs> Jesus, miss me with that. What did Savannah Christian say when WTOC reached out? Quote, uh, this is Savannah Christian's head of school, Jeff Plunk. Quote, sadly, in the world we live today, we must take matters of this type very seriously. At Savannah Christian, the safety and security of our students and our community is of the utmost importance. We are working with the appropriate authorities to support the ongoing investigation into this matter. We are partnering with them to ensure situations of this type do not occur in the future, end quote. Okay, Mr. Plunk, you didn't do much better, pal. We are working with the appropriate authorities to support the ongoing investigation, end quote. Okay, who are the appropriate authorities? Is it the district attorney? Is it a policeman? Is it Savannah Country Day's administration? Is it the BC administration? Is it the NAACP? Who are the appropriate authorities? You're, quote, supporting the ongoing investigation. Are you referring to that you're supporting Benedictine's internal investigation of itself? I, God, I hope not. If there is another investigation that you're, quote, supporting, who is doing the investigation? Because that means, don't look now, folks, we got two investigations happening. Benedictine doing its own investigation. And now the, quote, appropriate authorities, according to Savannah Christian, are also conducting an investigation that they're helping to support. What the hell are we talking about? Say what you mean, man. That's how we get into weird, weird situations like this is that nobody says anything specific. They all want to talk. They want to call and tell you what happened, but nobody wants to actually say, hey, I'll put my name on it. This is what happened. This is the person's name, and this is what they did. Unless you can do that, save us, spare us. These generic, just general press releases. WSAV also reached out to Benedictine officials for comment. That was Brian Gallagher who was doing the reporting for WSAV, Alyssa Jackson for WTOC. BC also told Gallagher and WSAV that, quote, there will be a full investigation and that BC will respond, quote, in a way that is consistent with the school's missions. More about the investigation. Oh, the investigation from BC. So WTOC, Alyssa Jackson, reached back out to Benedictine so this incident happened on a Tuesday. Okay, and on Wednesday, they reached back out to Benedictine and Benedictine apparently had a school-wide meeting about this incident. Or what did they call it? An after-school incident? The question is, is that can we trust BC to do any of this themselves? Because there is history here, folks. They may, there may have not been the N-word used at all, not one time. There may have been nothing racist about anything that went down Tuesday, January 9th at Savannah Country Day. But the reason we'll never know is because there's a track record here. And I don't think BC is a racist school. I think there's racist people there, just like there are racist people at every other school in the world, certainly in America. The problem is that when it's when it happens or when it might happen or when there's a hint of it BC usually mishandles it and they're enabled by the local media because let's face it BC controls a lot of what goes on here and to be honest folks if I write, wrote about this when I tweet about it when this comes out it'll be easy just to label me as the guy that hates BC and that's because usually I'm the only one that talks about this kind of shit. 
Remember, 2017, 18, 19. I don't remember when. Somewhere in there. Let's call it 2018. Somewhere in the 2018 range. A former Benedictine player tweeted out a screenshot of a Snapchat sent by another former BC player that said, quote, fuck inwards. And it did not say inwards. It spelled it out. Fuck inwards. Go cadets. That was the Snapchat. Okay, so that was around 2018. That wasn't uh, leaked by the local media. It wasn't scooped out. That was posted by a former BC player who saw it, and that former BC player was black, and it pissed him off, and he posted it. Right there next to the two words F inwards were the words go cadets. How about in August of 2022? Now, this hasn't been reported publicly at all. I've never talked about it on here, but I'm going to talk about it now. BC's then running backs coach, Matthew Burke, was let go by the school. He was also a mathematics teacher. He was let go by the school because, from what I was told, by one person who was there to see it and by another person close to the BC program who was admittedly not there for this incident, it was a preseason BC football practice. Thomas Blackshear, the star sophomore, rising sophomore at that time, allegedly had the N-word used, directed at him from a coach, Matthew Burke. Did that ever come out in public? Nope. Here's how BC handled it, folks. They swiped Matthew Burke from the from the administration page on the on the website on the school's official website. He was no longer listed as the mathematics professor. They took him off the coaching staff on Max Preps. He was no longer their running backs coach. But nobody ever said a word about it. That's not how they handle things at BC. They're going to investigate it. Several times this season, I saw that same coach that same former mathematics teacher directly on the fence at Memorial Stadium, leaning over the sideline watching the games. Now imagine if you're that football player, Thomas Blackshear, and every day you still have to see, every game day, you still got to see that man that called you the N-word, allegedly, who the school let go, removed from the coaching staff, so obviously there's some measure of guilt there, They didn't announce it. They didn't put a hand up. They swept it under the rug. Later on, we know that Thomas Blackshear was released from the school for reaching too many discipline points. So that was August 2022, and now January 9th, 2023, this incident at Country Day. Okay, so this isn't coming out of thin air. So we're going to wrap up here, and then I'm going to let you listen to something that will absolutely blow your mind. When WTOC reached back out after that Wednesday meeting at Benedictine, here's what Benedictine had to say to WTOC. Because WTOC's question, Alyssa Jackson's question, generally, was, okay, what are you guys doing about it? What is the punishment? Here's BC's response. Quote, in a unified effort, the administration, faculty, staff, and Benedictine monks met for 25 minutes with each class of Benedictine in the Stevens Lecture Hall. They were there to reiterate the expectations of a Benedictine cadet. Teachers, coaches, and administrators spoke passionately, emphasizing our core values of character, spirituality, purpose, and brotherhood. We believe the message was well-received. We believe our cadets will move forward in a way that upholds the high standards of our school. End quote. That's their response. We believe the message was well-received by our cadets. Now I'm going to let you listen to a diss track from a man whose artist name is Supreme Johnson. He was, and, and he's a kid. I'm not going to say his name. You can figure it out pretty easily, though. He was a Benedictine student when this song was released. He was not after it was released. But you tell me when you hear this if it sounds 
like the cadets message of brotherhood was received and that these cadets will move forward in a way that upholds high standards. This was the diss track from Supreme Johnson on SoundCloud. You can Google Savannah Disses. Or I'm sorry, don't Google it. Look up Savannah Disses, D-I-S-S-E-S, on SoundCloud. Again, this was a BC student who was expelled, kicked out of the school after this. A lot of the lyrics in here are vulgar. They are tough to listen to. Um, Hand up now. This beat is sick. The bars are kind of nice sometimes. But this is a song all about the incident on Tuesday night. All about Savannah Christian from a former, now former, BC student. Pushing and shoving and fists flying. Anger erupted at local basketball game. Punch in the face, so we bound to catch a case. Man, your student section lame, no one pop out to your games. Hey, yo, coach a little bitch, Gary got a little dick. All on Twitter posting pics, come and play us, little bitch. How the fuck you act out how with from a curry in your halls? LJ left it so damn far, now you like seem sucking balls. You got beat by country day, and now your team are not a luck. All you see is lifting trucks, and now my homies pulling up. Jelly lying about a rape, but Raymond Jack still beat the case. Mingle Dorf was your whole team, and he got kicked out anyway. Talking about how you. Go hit with us, come do it any day. Call up sex and call up Walter, call Makai and AJ Wade. CJ season up the chronic, and he bought that shit from Brendan. Ali Lavin, slamming beers, yelling hoss off the pretender. Did I mention y'all some losers and y'all ain't never be winning? Back to back, state chance, bitch, title stay defended. Hey. Just might put y'all boys on blast I put Gary in the cast Ali Lively keeps a flask Getting hammered up in class You got Jekka in your school But still got gay guys in your class Man, Ay. that shit is fucking whack Fuck with us and you want crack Man, you know our team is stacked Ayo, boys, what we smoking on? Savannah Christian Pack I got SCPS bitches steady riding me Tryna pull up on me I got Georgie, he gon' slap for me Call up Thomas Fogarty No, I keep my bros with me Got a date to prom But no, I really wanna go with me There is no control of me There is not a hoe with me I'll send my condolences, you want B-Boy, I insist Simon's got them iron fists, same with who I'm rocking with Touch that I'll rock your shit, hit this dish and you gon' snitch I can spill the limerick, y'all just take this sucking dick Been addicted, running shit, y'all ain't nothing but a bitch Hit Savannah Christian, don't you fuck with us again Don't pick up a bottle again, Lord forgive me for my sins Y'all be starting shit and this is where it ends, little bitch I hope your fucking school catch on fire I hope your motherfucking school bus blow out a tire I hope your principal get fired I hope a new one don't get hired Matter of fact, I hope the new one get the job and he retired I'll never get tired, I'm something like Michael Myers And your whole school get as fuck, so I call it Wombaya And all the bitches at Christian look at me and they admire They be all up on my dick and I cannot get by And this a motherfucking message up in the Christian I fire Try me, I try ya, bitch, you dying, uh Alright, so there you go, man. That's You're caught up on it. So now anyone asking what happened the other night at Country Day, Savannah Christian, there you go. If anybody knows Supreme Johnson on SoundCloud, tell him I'm trying to get a hold of him. I'd love to have him come on because I'm not going to lie to you, that song is catchy. Some of the lyrics are gross, but I thought it deserved to be listened to because for two reasons. A, the bars are kind of nice. The beat's kind of nice. But B, it points to the fact that this is not something that 15, 16, 17, and 18-year-old kids are going to take seriously because you, quote, met for 25 minutes to reiterate the expectations of a BC cadet. It ain't working. All right, let's talk local high school sports. When we do, we are doing so because of PrepSportsReport.com. Easy to access Free to read, no subscriptions. PrepSportsReport.com is your number one place to find local sports scores, stats, news, roundups, feature stories, players of the week in girls basketball and boys basketball, 
each week, as well as weekly recaps and game recaps from yours truly uh, at least once a week, usually on Saturday mornings, those come out. Um, And then as we ramp into February and March, they'll become more and more prominent as we head towards high school basketball playoff season. So check out PrepSportsReport.com. Check them out on Twitter, at PrepSAV. Um, All right, high school basketball local rankings. Um, I'll give you – how should we do this? I'm going to give you my top six, and then I'll tell you if those teams are ranked, which most of them are, in Kyle Sandy's um, poll this week, which came out January 15th, Sunday, January 15th. Uh, Number one, Beach. They're ranked number two in Class 3A. Number two, Johnson. And and I would just put those teams in a tier by themselves. It's them two and everyone else as far as Savannah goes. That's not a revolutionary take. Um, but Beach beat Johnson head-to-head. So Beach is one. They're at number two in 3A. Johnson, number two in my Savannah rankings. They are number four in Class 3A this week. Number three, Windsor Forest, who is number nine, I believe, in Class 2A, according to Kyle Sandy. Um, I, I like Windsor Forest's team. I, I don't know how many of the teams in the top six in my Savannah six that they would beat, but they've won a bunch of close games. They've won six games already by single digits. Um, and look, their floor, I think Windsor Forest's floor is super high. I don't think their ceiling is that high, but um, I I think that they are going to be a consistent top 10 team probably hovering in that 7 to 10 range all year by our guy Kyle Sandy. Uh, Number 4 for me, Woodville Tompkins. They're unranked according to Kyle Sandy and for good reason. There's a lot of questions about Woodville. But when I do my rankings, uh, Woodville's 10 and 8 right now, but they're 6 and 0 in their region, which is not great, but it's not terrible. There are worse regions around. Namely the region that BC, New Hampshire, and and Islands plan, 3-4-A. So they're unranked. They're 10-8 and eight overall. But the way I do these rankings is like, you know, number five, Savannah High for me, number four, Woodville. Woodville has already beat Savannah High head-to-head. So I cannot rank Savannah High above Woodville. Not yet, at least. They'll play Friday night. Savannah High, number five in my rankings. They are number seven, according to Kyle Sandy in Class A. Uh, and then I'm going to make an adjustment to my original top six. I had Calvary in there at number four because I like Calvary, and, they, and I think they had the best freshman in the city in Cole Keir, uh, a big man from overseas. I, I'm going to put them tied for six with St. Andrews. And the reason I'm going to do this is because, A, I forgot about St. Andrews, to be honest, when I when I tweeted my original six rankings. But I still, like... You know, that's a hand up moment there. Hand up. I forgot about him. But if I'm going to say St. Andrews neutral floor, St. Andrews versus Calvary, I wouldn't be shocked if St. Andrews won, but I don't know that I'd make them the favorite. I think that'd be a five-point game either way. St. Andrews versus Savannah High, neutral floor. I could see Savannah High winning by five or St. Andrews winning by five. Same for Woodville. Versus St. Andrews. But I don't see St. Andrews beating Windsor Forest head-to-head. I don't see them beating Johnson head-to-head. And I don't see them beating Beach head-to-head. You can give me all the hype you want about like opponents. We beat this team by this many points. They beat this team by that many points. Therefore, if so facto, we're as good as them. You know a quick way to fix that? You know a quick way to fix that? Play them. Now, St. Andrews is the last school on earth that I would accuse of not wanting to play GHSA schools. There is ample proof of them playing GHSA schools and doing really well over the last two seasons. I think they were 14-1 and last year against GHSA schools. But, this year, when you schedule GHSA schools, now Mel Abrams, their head coach, said that he called. They didn't want to play them. You hear that all the time. You, and the coaches that, you know, the teams that he says that they called, they'll probably, if you ask them, they'll say they didn't want to play us. 
It's the old um, Calvary BC football debacle. They don't want to play us. No, they don't want to play us. Well, how about you guys just play each other? So I'm not going to get into all that, but the fact is that if St. Andrews would have played Calvary, Savannah High, Woodville, or Windsor Forest, I think they could beat any of those teams. But the fact is that they don't. They don't. They play Islands. They play Jenkins. I think they play Country Day. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I don't know what else you could say about it. Certainly when you host an Invitational, as St. Andrews did this year, and Johnson is in your gym. Johnson is right there in your gym. And they don't play each other somehow? Groves is right there in their gym and they don't play St. Andrews? Said they're playing Ponavidra, Augusta Prep? I mean, you know, that's what you're left with when you don't play the teams. You got to guess. So that's my rant on that. Top six for me this week. Beach, Johnson, Windsor Forest, Woodville, Savannah High. Didn't give me a tie at six. Calvary and St. Andrews. Uh, Blitz Border Bowl 5. This past weekend, Coastal Empire 20, Low Country 0. Uh, not a great game, guys. I called it on the WSAV broadcast, and I could sit here and tell you about how all the guys played hard. It was great effort, but it was not a great product. I had a blast calling the game. Shout out to WSAV and Andrew Davis and uh, Wes Kerr, who was on the broadcast with us too. That I mean, it was a fun time. First ever shutout in the Blitz Border Bowl in five tries. Head coach Ken Derek Bonner at Johnson got the job done for the Coastal Empire, so they are back on top in the series now, three to two. It's the first time that there's ever been a shutout, and that means that the Low Country currently, for the next year, will have. 69 total points in Blitz Border Bowls. And that's a nice amount of points. A couple more local things, then we'll get to our HGP Celebrity Death of the Week. Uh, Savannah Mall is closing. You guys heard about this? Huh? Have you heard about this? Have you heard about this one? Have you seen this one? The Savannah Mall uh, closed up this past week. I actually know a buddy of mine that went skateboarding in there and then after I saw a Snapchat of him skateboarding inside the Savannah Mall, like kind of by the fountain underneath Bass Pro Shop, two seconds later, I get on my phone and I see a post from WTOC. Alderman Curtis Purdy says Savannah Mall is not closing. They just don't know what they're going to do with it yet. And then I flip back and I see, yep, my man is still skateboarding inside the Savannah Mall while the Alderman says the mall is not closing. Pretty sure it's closed. I think it's closed already, Kurt. I don't know. More real estate news. Big Shots Golf coming to Pooler. Uh, only thing, only take I have on this is there's nothing more Savannah. And I know it's Pooler, but let's call it Savannah. There is nothing more Savannah than waiting all this time for a Top Golf, and then we get Big Shots. It still looks cool as shit. You can check out ConnectSavannah.com. They have a story up there with photos of what Big Shots Golf is. It's exactly like Top Golf, but it's not Top Golf. And that's the most Savannah thing ever to get just close enough. No, let's call it Big Shots. Fuck a Top Golf. Uh, let's build high school football stadiums that are just too small to host a semifinal playoff game. Let's build a civic center that's just too small to host big, big, big time events. I love this city, and that is right on brand. Big shots. Welcome to town. HGP Celebrity Death of the Week, folks. I had a tough one on my hands. Okay, I had a tough one on my hands. I'm going to tell you why I chose Jeff Beck over Lisa Marie Presley. Jeff Beck, the guitarist, dead at age 78. That's just a cooler selection, folks, than Lisa Marie Presley, who died at age 54. I got to confess something. I didn't know Lisa Marie Presley's uh, record of husbands, her track list of, of former husbands. 
I mean, it's a who's who. Highlighted by Michael Jackson and Nicolas Cage. Now, could you imagine the type of person that could spend years married to Michael Jackson and years married to Nick Cage? Holy hell. Holy hell. Something went terribly wrong there. But the good news, the good news for Miss Presley is that she got some play on this podcast. Now, she did not win the award for HGP Celebrity Death of the Week. And unfortunately, you can only die once, so she will not be eligible moving forward. Uh, but she came close. Jeff Beck, our HGP Celebrity Death of the Week, one of the best guitarists to ever lay dead at age 78. I love closing out these podcasts with Celebrity Deaths of the Week. It's the greatest. All right, until episode 147, stay safe, wash your hands, you filthy animals. Savannah's premier indoor baseball training facility, SBPA is owned and operated by Ross Howard, and together with instructors who have played college and professional baseball, Ross and SBPA offer customized instruction year-round for baseball and softball players, full-length batting cages, pitching mounds, and a state-of-the-art technology to measure improvement are just a few of the highlights over at the academy. Call Ross at 912-484-5282 and visit the Savannah Baseball Performance Academy on Facebook for programs, teams, camps, and more information about how to take advantage of this great venue. Savannah's only year-round indoor baseball facility, Ross Howard, our guy, give him a call, 912-484-5282. Commercial and residential electrical services that you can trust. Braddy Electric is Savannah's number one electrical services for commercial and residentials since 1970. It's family owned and family operated. Reach them today at 912-233-1561 
or 1104 East 35th Street. Braddy Electric, that's two Ds, B-R-A-D-D-Y. Five stars on Yelp, five stars on Google Reviews, and Savannah's number one electrical servicer since 1970. Call them today, 912-233-1561. Thank you.